0: Just want to remind you that this Saturday, Christmas Eve, we'll be hosting two Christmas Eve services. It'll be at 2 o'clock and 3.30. We'll continue our theme, It's a Wonderful Christmas. Also, if you have a preteen, they're going to have a Christmas party here at church Tuesday night at 7 o'clock under our Level Up ministry. How many of you mothers or grandmothers know the technique of patting the presents? Having the presents, I didn't know this technique as a dad, but my wife's an expert at it. I think my mom was pretty good at it, and that is this um, this ability to all fall that you start collecting some presents for your kids, including some essentials, right? So you know that your kids probably need some T-shirts, maybe they need some shoes, maybe they need some uh, you know uh, underwear, socks, things like that. So you just find them on clearance, and you just kind of stash them away. And so then it comes like Christmas time, and, and for me, I've, I've kind of noticed that there's you know four, five, six little presents under the tree Christmas Eve, and all of a sudden, Santa Claus shows up, and by Sunday that morning, all of a sudden, there's all kinds of presents, and they came out of nowhere, right? And I'm like, where'd you get all those? Well, wow, I've been collecting, I see. Well, at the comfort home, uh, we have a tradition and that is that our uh, boys get to open up one present on Christmas Eve, but there's a limited amount of presents. Now, they've been uh, traumatized through the years because um, they have to select just one. And uh, my wife, Terry, she has only three or four of them. And usually, one of these presents are one of those essentials, right? (laughs) And once in a while, they're notorious for opening up that one present, and there's a pack of underwear, right? (laughs) it just really disappoints them, frustrates them. Have you ever been disappointed with the present? Have you ever been disappointed at Christmas time? Maybe you've been disappointed in your life. The other day I got disappointed. Right? Uh, so my family, my wife is like, hey, what do you want for Christmas? Uh, we'd like to get you some presents. And I'm like, I don't know. Let's think. I I was really struggling. I, I got about everything I need. And, and I came up with something. I said, you know, I need a watch. I, I just need an old school watch. My other one broke. And that's what I kind of prefer. So we're out shopping. And we found the watch I kind of like, right? It was on sale, 20% off. And I was like, let, let's get it, right? That, that's a present. Someone can wrap it up and say it's from them and, and I'd really appreciate that that's, and I'm struggling trying to figure out what, what else would what I want so uh, I was giving it some thought the other day on the living room. It's like, well, this is my chance if I want to get something, what, what else do I need? And I came up with an idea and Terry's in the kitchen and so I said, hey, I came up with this idea about a present someone can get me and, and it's this and, and you know what came back from the kitchen? She says, you already got a watch. So I like, that's it for me, right? It was on sale, what are you talking about, right? Now she was just kidding. But, you know, I was, like, kind of disappointed, right? I mean, where's my presence, right? Have you ever been there? Well, we're going to talk about that in just a little bit, but I'm going to welcome you to this um, Christmas service here at Faithbrook. It's good to see everybody. Your kids look fabulous. You look fabulous. It's a great time to worship together. If you can't make it, you're watching us online. I know some of you uh, are not able to uh, get out or you're in another state watching Faith Faithbrook today. Welcome to this beautiful Christmas Uh, service today. It is one week that we will be uh, celebrating Christ's birth. I know many of you are looking forward to gathering with family, uh, maybe hanging out in your home in pajamas, eating some cocoa, and uh, it's a wonderful time of the season. But it's not always super wonderful. And we've been looking at this movie this year. It's A Wonderful Life, starring Jimmy Stewart, of this guy in the movie called George Bailey. And uh, most of his life, he's tried to build his little empire in a perfect way, but he never seems to catch breaks. Everything's always goes against him. For instance, he's always having the battle, Mr. Uh, Potter, uh, the evil banker in town. He's got this crazy Uncle Billy, and everyone's got a crazy uncle, right? His house is a fixer-upper, and it's always got some problems. He's frustrated, and it never seems things go his way. It was kind of like the Vikings' first half yesterday, right? (laughs) Nothing went their way. But there is a God, I said, and he's on the Viking side, right? Right, so so we find George Bailey in this movie. He is upset, right? He's not only grumpy, but he's angry. He can't catch a break, and pretty soon he's sour. He's disappointed. Everything he's trying to deal, it's not perfect at all. It's upsetting, and he's very disappointed in life. And it kind of reminds me of maybe the first People in the Christmas story. I'm talking about Joseph and Mary. How maybe they were disappointed in their circumstances during their Christmas setting. Many of you know that these were a young couple, a Jewish couple, uh, Mary and Joseph, and they were just giddy about their wedding and their soon marriage. They were betrothed. They were engaged to each other, and like other little uh, couples, right? They're excited about hey, who's going to who? Are we going to invite. To the wedding. And, and what's that going to look like? And, and for a, a Jewish wedding, it's a big deal, especially for the bride. And And Mary had her expectations and her dreams. And, and there was Joseph, right? This young man. He's like, I can't wait to get married. And we're going to ha- find a house and build our family together. And you could just see him just getting excited because it was coming near. And all of a sudden, that perfect plan, that ideal uh, dream that they were looking at, took a turn um, a turn from a, a voice, an angel that came to Mary. Uh, Luke described in the first chapter like this. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, that was Mary's sister, Elizabeth, God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin placed pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And of course, the the writer Luke says, Mary was greatly troubled. You would probably be troubled too if an angel came to you, that you've been greatly favored. And she wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God, and you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Jesus. Okay, right here, her perfect little uh, wedding and marriage is going to get complicated. She's wondering. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, and his kingdom will never end. Whoa. So she has to ask, well, how will this be? She asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. Uh, right here, her mind is racing. Right here, she, she's thinking about uh, things are changing. First of all, she's like, uh, how is this? physically going to happen? That's a really good question since I'm a virgin and I'm going to get pregnant. uh, Yeah, right. Okay. Then how do I break the news to Joseph? That's going to be a little awkward. Uh Uh-huh. Right. Uh, And and what about the wedding plans? Uh, I'm going to be with a child and people are going to be talking and this thing's all going to be collapsing and falling apart. What about my reputation? And ultimately, how is this going to affect my life? that I kind of had planned out. Now, back in Matthew's account, there's Joseph. And uh, he's dealing with disappointment. In fact, we see Matthew writes it. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Now, he's going to find out that she's pregnant. You talk about disappointment. You talk about maybe betrayal, right? Because in his mind, there's only one way this could happen a lady, his fiance, to be pregnant. Uh, have you ever been betrayed? Have you ever been hurt by someone that you put faith in and that you loved? And, and this is probably the tension and situations going around in, in Joseph's mind. Before he knows it, resentment and anger can be placed in his dreams of, of the marriage, let alone that the, the wedding ceremony is shattered, right? But Matthew notes, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, in other words, he was a very religious, um, committed Jew, he did not want to expose her to public disgrace. She would be seen as a harlot. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. He had some class. He had some integrity. But God intervened. It says in the scriptures, but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said... Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And she will give birth to a son, and you will give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now, Joseph had to wrestle with his disappointment. He had to wrestle with his dream and the picture of their marriage and their life together being altered and maybe even uh, 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 changed drastically. And, and so did Mary, right? She, she had to think about how she was explaining her pregnancy when they wasn't married and, and what would that look like? And she probably had to contemplate the, the loss and the change and the complications in her life with this this burden that she would be carrying, this responsibility. And back in... In the book of Luke, the angel went to Mary and answered her. The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. In other words, God knows best. God has a perfect plan for you. Trust him. And something changed in Mary when she responded, I am the Lord's servant. May your word in me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. Wow. Something shifted in Mary's soul. Something shifted in her mind she realized that she was losing this idyllic wedding and marriage and this home. But something so deeply changed her that she started rejoicing. She started understanding the benefit of the world and those around her, even herself and Joseph. And later in that chapter, she starts singing and writing a song. My soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. for He has been mindful of the humble state of his servants. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, and they have. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. It is setting in. Christmas is setting in, and Christmas shifts our perspective, my friends. When we realize what Christ has done and can do in us, it starts changing the way we view things. It makes a difference. A lot of times we do get a little grumpy when we don't get that present or that that dream or that job or that reaction that we were thinking of in our life. And before we know it, we're a little selfish. And sometimes, when we find ourselves disappointed, sometimes if we find ourselves a little grumpy. Maybe it's because life is too much about us, right? That we always want our way. And for Mary there was a breakthrough, there was a spiritual breakthrough in her life. And she realized there's something bigger than her dreams, something bigger than her desires. It was God's desires that would benefit not only her future family, but all of us in the world. I think this is the idea that George Bailey was conveyed in the movie, It's a Wonderful Life. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we looked at George Bailey. He was upset. His dreams were not coming true. In fact, it all started to collapse and he went into deep depression and started contemplating a suicide and he was he was crying out saying, "You know, I wish I was uh, never born." He felt so sorry for himself. He was so low, right? And all of a sudden, God started to intervene. We found a clip that he was at a bar and he's praying, "God, I'm not really a religious man, but if you're up there, show me the way. Show me the way." Have you ever cried out to God before? God, I need you more than ever. And God started intervening. In fact, just like the Christmas story, God sent an angel. His name was Clarence. He was kind of an older, frumpy kind of angel, but, but uh, he found George uh, contemplating suicide, standing on this bridge, about to jump into this icy river. And so all of a sudden, Clarence, out of the blue, jumped into the river right in front of George Bailey. And George Bailey now is distracted. He sees somebody drowning, and, and George, in his instincts, jumps in after Clarence and kind of saves Clarence the angel. But Clarence the angel knew that what he was really doing was saving George Bailey. And they get to know each other, and, and uh, he said, well, George, I, I heard your prayer. God heard your prayer that you wish you were never born. And so let's go around the town and see what that looks like. And so he takes them on a journey they just go around Pottersville. I mean, Bedford Falls, it's not Bedford Falls, because he was never born, and, and he sees the difference, and uh, the place is dark and gloomy, and people didn't even know who he was, and uh, there was uh, problems everywhere, and finally he gets the message that his life counted. It counted with God. It counted uh, to the community, and this Clarence offers him a new perspective, a new way to look at life. And so George Bailey runs back to the bridge that he, was, that he first encountered Clarence. He starts crying out for Clarence. Clarence, Clarence, I want a new start. I want a, I want a new life. Because you realize the life wasn't all about him. And God was working in his life. And we submitted that George Bailey started receiving with Isaiah chapter nine, talked about the God that is a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. And a wonderful life comes when we accept the wonderful gift of God, Christ himself in our hearts, to have him sweep away our sins, that we can live free and whole in Christ and have eternal life. And George Bailey was like a new man. His soul was connected with God. And all of a sudden, things started shifting in his perspective. And we find a man that is very grateful for what he has And in this clip, you're going to see he runs through the town and he runs back home. And look how he now appreciates the things that he didn't appreciate. Dale. Go on home. They're waiting for you. <laughs> Mary! 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 Well, hello, Mr. Bank Examiner. How are you? Mr. Bailey, there's a deficit. I know. $8,000. Oh, George, I've got a little paper. I'll bet it's a warrant for my arrest. Isn't it wonderful? I'm going to jail. Merry Christmas. Reporters. Where's Mary? Mary! Oh, look at this wonderful old drafty house. Mary! Have you seen my wife? Mary Christmas, Merry Daddy. 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 Kids! Pete! Oh, oh. Kids! Janie! Janie! Tommy! Oh, look at you. Oh, I could eat you up. Where's your mother? She went looking for you. With she, Uncle Billy. Daddy! Zuzu! Zuzu, my little ginger snap. How do you feel? Fine! Not a smidge of temper... Not a smidge of temper... Ha, <laughs> ha, hallelujah. Hello? George! George. George Mary! Darling, Barry. Mary! George, darling! Where are you? Oh, oh, George! 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 Oh, George! George! Let me touch you. Are you real? Oh, just, George! Just real. George! Oh, but you have no idea what's happened to me. I do not. You have no idea what's happened to me because something changed deep in George Bailey's heart. And pretty soon he started appreciating the smallest things and even the most difficult things in his life. Even the old struggling buildings and loan. Even his arch enemy, Mr. Potter. And even his, his arrest that was possibly coming in his life. It's like he had a new appreciation for all the things that he didn't appreciate. And this is what Christ is wanting to us to get a hold of today. Sometimes we are so busy on things that we need to get done, that, that things that maybe we haven't uh, received before, and we forget to appreciate the small things, the imperfect things, the mundane things. We saw George Bailey's like, man, I, I just love my kids, right? They didn't have to be perfect. They didn't have to uh, have the highest scores, and he just loved them and appreciated them. I think that's why so many people come to these Christmas pageants or programs, right? These kids, they don't have to perform perfectly. All they have to do is smile and give it their best. And if they make a mistake or don't stand perfectly, we kind of love that because it's innocence. It's something in our society that's genuine and it's authentic, that's, that's full of love. And we are drawn to the things that are pure. We're drawn to the things that are simple. And this is God's heart. He wants us to see what he sees. And God doesn't always um, lean into the, the fabulous and the shiny and the accelerant. But a lot of times God is in the simple, the innocent, the mundane, if you will, because Christ can shift our perspective. You know, I grew up in a home where a mother knew how to pad the presents and she was always on the hunt for some clearance shirt, something for me. And I remember as a teen, teen teenager once in a while ripping open some of those presents and and there was some shirt that I really thought was kind of tacky and I didn't like right. Uh, but later in my life I realized how much she loved me and she was doing her very best to make that that Christmas morning, wonderful, and to buy more presents and and make it uh, look um, dynamic and pad those presents. And a lot of times we have to have a different perspective, just like Mary and Joseph. I'm sure they were distressed. They were probably disappointed of their coming marriage and and this fabulous wedding. and, And all of a sudden there was a change There was going to be some, um, maybe some loss and some um, adjustments in their plans in their life. And actually it was. But they found a new perspective when they experienced Christ in Christmas. And this is what Jesus is talking about when he says, have a childlike faith. When you look at these very young children in here, they have a childlike faith. They're not always looking for the perfect. They don't easily get disappointing. They're very open. They're very trustworthy. They're very thankful a lot of times, even in the smallest, mundane, simple thing, that childlike faith. And this is the essence of Christ in Christmas, in our life. And before you know it, Christ helps us view the imperfect in a perfect way. Christ helps us view the imperfect in a perfect way. Are you doing that in your life? Are you always resistant against the imperfect, the disappointed? But maybe God wants us to see the rough things, uh, the less things, the disappointing things in our life as something perfectly in his heart, in his mind. There was a good example I heard about of a, a father that was being interviewed on Focus on the Family's podcast, and they were talking about special needs. And here's was a, a father that that had a special needs boy, seven years old. His name was Jack, and he was kind of low-functioning. Uh, he had some physical skills, but he didn't have many verbal skills. And, and he shared with these men on Focus on the Family about privately, secretly, he was disappointed. Uh, he loved little Jack very much, but he was always asking, God, could you do something miraculously? could you could you could you like part the Red Sea and heal my little boy Jack, that he'd be more like the other boys and and, and just uh, have a maybe a better life? And he was always praying for that. And he always had the privilege of every morning he would take Jack to his school and get him out of the car and hold his hand and take him up to the door and put him in. And he always felt like that was a precious time that just holding little Jack, he dearly loved him. But he always thought in his mind, does does Jack appreciate it? Does Jack know how much his daddy loves? And does he even care that his dad takes him to school, holds his hands? Well, one day his his dad was Jason. Uh, This dad's wife called him and said hey little jack brought home a board book from school and he is all excited about this book and you need to come home and and look what he he found i we, i think you appreciate it he's like well it's just a book oh, okay so so he comes home and says where's little jack he says oh he's in his bedroom with that book watch go in there and so Jason, the dad, goes in there and sees his little Jack laying and bend his feet are up. And he's just looking and glued into this book. And he bends down and says, Jack, what you got there? And he's like pointing at this book. And he looks at the book, and it's a book on penguins. And uh, he turns, the little Jack turns the page, and there's a big penguin and a smaller penguin. And they both have their fins out, and they're overlapping the the fins. And little Jack looks at his dad and says, Jack and daddy, Jack and daddy. And right there, this dad started connecting that his little boy, Jack, who had limitations that was special Learned and appreciated that hand-holding ritual that they had almost every school day. In fact, little Jack turned the page, and there was a picture of the penguins in the bathroom, and the little penguin was in the bathtub, and there the big penguin was over it, and they were splashing water everywhere, and Jack was giggling, and he looked up at his dad, Jack and Daddy, Jack and Daddy, and that's what exactly what his dad would do, give his little boy a bath, and he realized that God was trying to teach him that there are little treasures, little gifts along dark valleys that God wants us to wake up to. And he had to confess, he says, a lot of times I was so fixated on the big things, the perfect things, uh, the the normal things, and God wanted me to see and Jack wanted me to see the small things, maybe the imperfect things that I can uh, appreciate and be grateful for. So here's my Christmas challenge to you today. Maybe if you've never really experienced Christ and really leaned into Christ, uh, would you give Christ a try to experience his love for you? I'm not talking about religion. I'm not talking about a church. I'm, I'm talking about a Christ who came to this world and was a normal human, at the same time divine, and started in a very humble, simple, imperfect manger with some very simple people, and eventually would be raised and give us life on the cross, that if anyone would identify that, if anyone would receive that, they would be saved and they would have eternal life. And Christ, because of that, can change our, our outlook. Secondly, I, I would encourage you to enjoy the imperfect. I would encourage you to enjoy the struggle, uh, the journey. Maybe you've been frustrated. Always looking for, man, my family has to work out, it needs to act right, and and my job and my relationships, my bank account, all have to be just right, and it's constantly a, a grind or a disappointment, but maybe God's trying to get your attention. Maybe God wants you to look at the imperfect in a more perfect way, to just appreciate the simple things. If your kids don't act right, if your family doesn't act right, if the world doesn't act right, still love them and appreciate what you have. Would you do that? Well, thank you for watching today. Thank you for attending today. I know we got a packed parking lot and a packed house. So why don't we stand and I'll close this out in prayer. Gracious God. Uh, We just pause on this beautiful sunny morning, just acknowledge you. Thank you for these children that came and practiced uh, many times. Uh, The beauty of their innocence, the beauty of their authenticity, just to do their very best. May we appreciate things like that, God. It doesn't always have to be the most expensive and the glamorous, but just the precious things. Thank you for this movie that that draws us into um, the, the good things of life and how you look down on mankind. And if it takes an angel, if it takes a preacher, if it takes a friend, if it takes a book, somewhere you intervene to wake us up to you. And then you yourself can help change our attitude and our perspective. We love you. We need you. And we pray blessings over these families, these grandparents and all that are watching and coming today. Give them a great next week as we look forward to Christmas Eve together. In Jesus' name, we ask these things. Amen.